Welcome to Season 2 of Voices from the Land, a special podcast series produced by the Legacy Hope Foundation. In this podcast series, we'll hear about Indigenous language revitalization projects and efforts to preserve and promote Indigenous languages across Turtle Island. Join us as we learn more about how Indigenous languages are helping Indigenous peoples connect, know, and remember the voices from the land. Hello and welcome to this podcast on Indigenous languages. Voices from the Land is an Indigenous language podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Its goal is to capture more perspectives and voices on Indigenous language revitalization. We are seeking to capture a range of perspectives to better reflect the many people engaged in Indigenous language revitalization. Our aim is that by listening to teachers, adult learners, and parents or guardians of children in language classes, or whose children have taken language classes, we can gain more insight into what are the challenges and barriers, as well as the solutions and positives that are out there. In turn, we hope this will form a larger discussion on how to support Indigenous language revitalization. In this episode, our guest is Angel McNaughton, a parent guardian of a child or three children in Indigenous Languages Immersion Program. Angel is from the Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. Hello and welcome. Glad you can be here, Angel. Glad to be meeting with you. Maybe we could start by uh, you just talking about where you're from. I know you're from the Six Nations. Uh, Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your community and your, your family, your family background. Yeah, I'm, I've been born and raised here on Six Nations all of my life. I'm 42 years old, so I've been here all my life. Well, I moved away after school for a little bit to experience other places and so far. Um, but I always came back home. My grandparents were fluent speakers, but it wasn't passed on to my mother's generation. And then our generation, we're just trying to, I think we're trying to get it back. Yeah, it seems to be a common issue that a lot of uh, the Indigenous communities across Canada have lost their languages to some extent. How many people in your in your community speak? Uh, is it Mohawk? Or yeah, what yeah. language is it? Well, that's the about Six Nations, is that we have many different languages here like of the Six Nations. Mohawk, I think here on Six Nations, we are around, I would have to say, maybe 100. Fluently, I think there's less than 20, though, I do believe. So Six Nations uh, is made up of uh, six groups, uh, different groups, comprising of the Iroquois Confederacy. Are all the six groups mixed into the, uh, the community of Six Nations? Yes. Okay. All right. You are a parent or guardian of a child in Indigenous language program. Can you describe the program and how it functions, its location and number of students and so on? Uh, yeah, Gonio Elementary School. I began there, gosh, eight years ago now with my oldest son. So we've been there for a few years now, like almost 10 years, I believe, like, or eight, eight to 10 years, I believe. It's an emergent school from kindergarten, JK to high school, actually. Their program is is really good. Um, my children have always done really well there. They're inclusive. They bring in um, all different people. And like I said, because Six Nations is unique, that we 
have those different nations, we bring all the people together, you know, just to expose the children to all the other different languages as well. They are both Mohawk and Cuba that are spoken at Gawaneo. And the children play together and they just they just use their languages that they that they learn. So they're not only just learning one language there, they actually get exposed to two and then every little once in a while they'll bring in an Onondaga speaker or they'll bring in uh, Oneida speaker, which is very close to Mohawk as well. So Yeah, that's pretty neat. The six language groups of six nations and uh, maybe you can just talk a little bit more about uh, it's an immersion program. How does it function? Does it like, do they just speak the native language throughout the classroom and or throughout the day? Or uh, how does that work? Uh, it uh, primarily, is, but they do a lot of translation as well because the majority of the children are coming from English speaking homes. Like for myself, I'm not a fluent speaker. I'm just trying to give my children that opportunity to learn that language to where it is supported and encouraged to learn it. I didn't get that when I was growing up. I got the half hour to learn a little bit of Kyuga. I didn't learn any Mohawk until I was in university, actually. So I wanted my children to have more exposure to it and to gain some fluency in it. I never got into the fluency aspect of learning my language, but I wanted that for my children. So there is a lot of translation. Uh, so it kind of, I guess it's more like in play as well, but if the children don't understand, then they'll translate it. And then they just reinforce the ganyangehado. So they kind of, they understand that. Even at home with my children, which has been kind of the unique thing with um the pandemic going on, everybody's been moved to the Zoom. But it's given me as a parent an opportunity to kind of see how that classroom kind of works. And it's helping me as a parent at home learning that as well to help reinforce like telling my child how to get his um papers out and how to draw and his colors and what the teacher's asking because they'll say it all in Mohawk. And then if some kids say, I don't, I don't know what you mean. I don't know what you're saying. Then I think it's for the parents as well. Like they, you're learning with them right now. Are there opportunities for your child to speak and practice his or her language outside the classroom? Because you did, you did mention that you do speak it at home a bit, right? So you speak it in the classroom out and, and sometimes in your home. How much of it do you speak in your home and how much is it spoken in the community? It really depends on where you're going and who you're going to be with because there are specific places where you can speak it. Not a lot, though, unfortunately. At home, in my particular home, it's primarily myself and my older children to help with my younger children to converse. But it's primarily me. My husband doesn't speak. My in-laws don't speak. And my 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 mother, she doesn't speak. So it, it's kind of tough in that situation. Um, but we've developed very good friendships with other parents and their children from the school. So when we go and we do things with them, um, a lot of that Ganyangeha is reinforced in those atmospheres. It's like play 
mostly play, just, you know, letting children be children, but trying to use and encourage um, them to use Ganyan Gehab when they're playing and speaking with each other. How old are your children that are taking this immersion course? A nine-year-old, a nine-year-old, and a five-year-old. How important is language revitalization to your community, like to the community as, as a whole? Is it something that they feel is extremely important, or is it something that's not a priority? I guess that really depends on who you're talking to. There's a lot of parents like myself that are, you know, we're 100% behind it to revitalize our language, and we understand and encourage that development and that support, especially in our children, because like I said, a lot of parents my age, that 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, we're kind of that generation that where our parents weren't able to gain it. That's that generation of residential schools where the grandparents were told not to speak it. So it was, you know, the other generation that didn't. So we're the generation that didn't as well, but now we're seeing the importance of it. And we're working together. I think it was a question before about how many students were in Galaneo. We are around a hundred, a hundred students. Yeah, just recently with the pandemic, um, a lot of students have transferred out though, because Galaneo was not going back to school at all. And they wanted the opportunity for their children to go back to school. So some have transferred out. So that number is kind of fluctuating. But it had been growing from years before. I think they started out with like 10 students at the very beginning. And they grew. I think the most I've seen was maybe 160 students. Okay. All right. It's an immersion program, and is it like, uh, is it just one class, or is it all day long? Oh, no, it's all day long. And they speak in, in Ganyangeha for primarily the day. Uh, just reading, writing, all of that is done in Ganyangeha, and learning the alphabet. They do both. They do both, because not all the same letters are used in Ganyangeha as they are in English, but they teach both. Right, that's amazing. Because there's so many words in the English language that aren't in, in an indigenous language. So I would think you probably uh, you have to create new words. Is that true? Yeah, there's a, there's lot, of, a lot of creating words. Uh, with our languages, more descriptive. I'm not even really sure who creates those words. <laughs> I think it's a group of elders. I'm not even sure if it's Akwasasne or Ganawage, but I think it's really a collaboration of our elders from each of our communities that will just, they just, their best description of, of something. Some words can be super long or like a really small word or in English, uh, we can say, you know, bus, B-U-S, right? Bus. In Ganyangeha, it's, it's, uh, oh gosh, no, I just forgot. <laughs> in Cree, uh, bus is bus, <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's yeah, some yeah. words that, that just remain, like, in English, like, you know, like, like bus, there's bus and creek, you know, so I guess every indigenous language is slightly different. Uh, what would you say are uh, the biggest obstacles and barriers for your child in, in taking a language immersion program? I think a barrier would probably be maybe not getting that support from our community. 
not really seeing the language being used as much as we would like to see it being used. Them really not seeing really how important it is for them to learn. They hear it from us, but I really don't think they really see it in our community as much as I would like to see in any ways as a parent. We try our best. I know with a lot of um, other parents um, within our homes, I know I try and put up words for different things and, and encourage them to use their languages when we're out and about. But it's hard when you know you can't really converse with the majority of the public. If we do get together with other families, then they can speak it and they're comfortable in doing that. Um, but in the majority of places, it's not encouraged. You know that person can't speak. So it's just uh, just uh, things like that, I guess. Um, Gawani has been really proactive in, in getting the word out of our languages. They've been really supportive. It's been a great school. My children have all really enjoyed going. We've never had any problems. And I, I just like the environment there. They've always been welcoming. Yeah, and, like, and the kids are great there. What would you say are some positives in your child taking an Indigenous language immersion course? What are some of the good things you see happening? What are some of the good things that are coming out of this? I see, I see with my children, example is I see them being really respectful kids. When my second and oldest child moved on from grade eight into the high school, they went to Brantford. There's always that fear of them, you know, not being able to succeed because then everything is primarily English. But from, you know, and I've always spoken with their teachers and let them know, you know, they're coming out of an immersion language program where they, they didn't learn English. I just always found to encourage the language learning and not so much the English because the English will come. Like even if I didn't want them to learn it, they're gonna learn it because we're we're mostly surrounded by it. So I was never really worried about that, but their teachers have been fantastic. They were always um, patient with them. And my children, they've always gotten good reviews. Um, I know my second son, when he went to high school, this is his first year, he's in grade nine, and he opted to do another Mohawk program, but it was kind of like a beginner program. So when he attended, he was, you know, obviously exceeding in it, and she kind of wanted him to move out of it, but I kind of explained it to her that I, I needed him to be comfortable in his surroundings, because he was actually going into a Catholic board for high school. So he was a little worried about it. He was a little intimidated. But with his teacher's encouragement and help, he did fantastic. And that was one thing that she said. He come. He was very respectful. He was very um, open to learning different ways and learning different things. But his Mohawk was, was exceptional. I think that uh, learning an Indigenous actually makes you a better person and makes you more, like you say, more respectful and you understand your culture better. So there's a really strong connection with the language. And you can say your, your, your culture, people, you know, talk about your culture 
all you want, but you can never really fully understand the culture unless, you know, you know the language. I think the language is strongly connected to the culture. What do you think about that statement? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. You just don't understand to an extent, I guess. I think you would just gain more of that knowledge in really understanding what you're doing when you're practicing all the different different things like for us when we when we do our ceremonies it's all in the language if you don't understand what the speaker's saying how do you how do you follow along how do you know what to do next and what's expected of you as a member you have a dog locked up somewhere (laughs) i keep hearing something in the background we're almost done here anyway so uh my i think i got two more questions this one is uh what would you like to see, you know, happen for your children to be more successful in learning their indigenous language? Like right now, I think your kids are doing pretty good by the sounds of it. So what, what needs to be done? Like uh, more class time or more time with teachers or uh, what's your thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, for sure. More time with those teachers, definitely. In Gawanila's particular situation, we need a proper school. We are not in a proper school at this moment. We are being housed in a sporting arena. So that makes it difficult. Um, We're trying to fundraise and we're, you know, going to Indian Affairs to try and build ourselves a proper school. But yeah, that would definitely help in, in giving them, those children, a real home. You know, we've been very grateful for the opportunity to at least have a building to be in uh, with the generosity of Kurt Steyer's and the ILA arena. Our kids have at least somewhere to go, even though it's a, a sporting arena. So that's one thing in Galvanillo's particular uh, situation is just um, having a, a school. Definitely our teachers are, are amazing. They're amazing, amazing human beings. Um, especially now that we're doing Zoom. It requires a lot of patience, but they are completely dedicated to encouraging these children to continue learning, no matter what the situation brings us. You know, we can still learn our language through a pandemic. You know, that's one thing that they're being taught. You know, sometimes the Wi-Fi goes out and, you know, you just gotta persevere. They send a lot of um, paper home. So the kids aren't really doing without, which is great at this time. It's been tough on the kids. But yeah, for sure. I know my kids every day now, they haven't been in a classroom with other children in two years. And they, they're begging for that at this time. They can't wait to go back to school. They miss their friends. They want to see their teachers. and So I'm, I'm hoping once they come out of this that they will come out of it with a greater appreciation for those people, for their school, for their friends, and especially for the teachers. They have kept encouraging and they've been patient and you know, they've been there every day. They get on Zoom and do the best that they can. I bet you never thought you'd see the day when <laughs> children really want to go to school. <laughs> One thing coming out of this that we- like hopefully that's what they gain coming out of this is to gain that appreciation you know because you never know 
right now that's what they're learning in life is you never know that you know that can be taken away uh so i hope that's what they're going to get out of it i know as an adult i can appreciate it but as children you know <laughs> i'm just curious as to uh why you don't have a school like you you say your uh your your school is in an arena what happened to your school did you never have a school on on six nations reserve no Galeno has never had an official proper school they began just as a, that's why i said as a, as a few families just understanding at the time that there was a need um and that they needed to begin teaching that language on a more um immersion level like really speaking their languages so they just kind of went from from house to house and i believe they were in our vets hall our local vets hall at one time they were in a portable for a short time there uh they went to um it was an older school number 5 it was called i i even attended there when i was young but it was asbestos filled so that's why i said with the generosity of Kurt Steyer's and the ILA arena staff there um they offered a building there it was supposed to be meant for offices for their sporting programs but Kurt seen the need and he offered the ILA as as a temporary home but i believe we we've been there for 7 years now this is the emergent school you're talking about right yeah yeah okay but you have a regular high school a regular school that's just in english uh the high school or an elementary school on reserve oh yes yeah yeah okay they have um Oliver M IL Thomas uh Jameson and then there's JC Hill for 7 and 8 yes yeah. is there anything else you would like to add or share about children learning their indigenous languages in an immersion setting any uh, any other thoughts that you have that you know because this this uh this project is about learning uh what works what doesn't work in uh with uh, indigenous people learning their their languages and we hope to uh you know provide information on what's working for indigenous people in learning their languages and what are some of the barriers so uh any you know any thoughts on what you would recommend or what you could share other than what you said about the immersion setting uh indigenous language development okay just making it more accessible polytech has done a great job on developing an app for um Kyuga and Mohawk it's a great little tool a little app i know i use it a lot when i can't remember a word i i can just click in there and go in there and it pops up i'm not sure if other languages have that but i find those are a great little tool especially if i'm out and about i can usually find what i'm looking for i really try to encourage my kids to use that language out and about and try to show them that they can use it in different places not just at home but they can use it in other places um so like little mobile apps if we're keeping up with the times mobile apps would be awesome and as i said just specifically with goanio the biggest barrier i think is just not having a a school an actual school 
that's why I said we're, we've been we're pretty lucky that we have the staff we have the the teachers that are that go above and beyond to make sure that these kids can continue to learn a lot of our teachers are that generation when they first began were those small children those are our teachers now for our kids so it, it's great to see that circle I know where specifically for my daughter her teacher that's what he said he was like when I was going through it he's like I didn't want to be a teacher he's like no me I don't want to be no teacher when I grow up I don't want to be a teacher but uh, as he grew and really got the understanding of what he learned and the value of it. Now he's a teacher and he just absolutely loves it. He teaches just the younger kids and he's also teaching the adult learners in the programs at Polytech that they offer at the university level. What is that app called? Is it, you said Polytech? Yeah, it's Polytech. It's Mohawk language app. And there's a Cuga language one as well. So your immersion school, um, just my last point here, you say you got no funding. Um, I mean, you don't have a school, but who provides the funding for your school? Is it through the band that, uh, that does this? To build a school, we're on a list. There's an actual list, I, I guess, of uh, different communities that are requesting um, new buildings or additions, etc. I'm not sure specifically where these are but i think we're like 12th on the list of getting a school built i don't know what the other needs are of these other communities but yeah i think we're we're a little further down on the list well i want to thank you on behalf of the legacy Home foundation for taking the time to do this i think you're doing great things uh, it's wonderful to see uh young children learning their indigenous language and you being a parent and supporting this, I think you definitely are. You, you, you guys are definitely heading in the right direction. So thank you very much for taking the time to do this with us. Be good. Yeah. Okay. So I actually remember the word for bus. What's that? <laughs> I remember the word for bus. It's yago dagalanyes. <laughs> Say that again slowly. Yago dagalanyes. What does that literally translate into? Um, I can't even remember what it is either. <laughs> it's something about it being long. Yeah, it's like the lo- the length of it. And I can't yeah. remember what it is either. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's good. That's fine. That's yeah. Fine. Well, thank you very much, Angel. It's really been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. I wish you all the best in your uh, immersion program and teaching your children and yourself the indigenous language of your culture. Hey, we'll see. Be yeah. Great. yeah, if anybody wants to find out more information on you, there we do have a website, kgps.ca. So there's a lot of information on there as well. Okay, thanks for that. We'll uh, we'll pick up on that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah we Voices from the Land is a podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Music is provided by David Finkel. For more episodes like this and to learn more about the work we are doing, please visit www.legacyofhope.ca.